Welcome to episode 80 of Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house or use the code house at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. I finally got my lawnmower 4.0, by the way. It is awesome. I use the code house at checkout. There's a light on there. It shows you where you are shaving on your skin. This shit is next level stuff. Go to manscaped.com slash house and go get some of the best men's grooming equipment on the market. I'm Jake and that's Will. Um, this is episode 82. Great guests for you with Keith McEli of Sam Adams in Cincinnati, the general manager of the tap room over there. Mike Nealon joins us from the Founders and Friends event. Uh, he's from Focus Forward Media, um, Boston slash RI based company. Um, Will, a lot of catching up to do. Obviously, we had a lot of here in Cincinnati. Uh, we had a quick episode last week. Well, not really even. We had three guests last three, week. Yeah, it was still three guests. Not a lot of our talking, too. And that this will sort of be one of those as well. We've got two awesome guests. We will, we'll, we'll shut up at some point and let them talk. But um, where do we start? I mean, my bracket's screwed uh, as we're into March. I... I let me rephrase. It's not screwed. I have three or four final four teams left, but the middle is just a total cluster. So that's where we're at here on the Sunday. Yeah, no, my bracket. Monday, I should say. I mean, you said about it in your blog, and Sam Basil, our College Hoops Digest reporter, talked about it. We're silly little bloggers that don't know shit, and he's true. I mean, for a year that I've never been more invested and involved in college basketball as like a whole, like knowing players, knowing coaches, knowing all of these like betting lines everything what a shit show but i'm glad that everyone was a shit show too no one had saint peter's in the sweet 16 um no one had teams like auburn and wisconsin and tennessee all losing i mean my new updated final four bracket is going to be gonzaga saint peter's villanova and providence the cox to the final four i think so providence actually well they play kansas correct yeah, it's going to be Kansas, and then I think it's the winner of Iowa State in Miami, which is a double-digit seed. So it's like nothing's – like if they can get over Kansas, who hasn't been looking like incredible, they I mean, they're still like – they're still they're, a they're one seed. They're playing Kansas in, basketball. Yeah, you know, they're playing like, Kansas basketball, but Providence is, you know, shooting the lights out that we haven't seen before and playing tremendous defense. So who knows, but the bracket, throw it out the window. At least the bets are up. Um, yeah, head over to play action pools to check out building our bankroll and just looking at our brackets, but it is March. It is March. It was a crazy, crazy tournament so far. And, uh, yeah, not much to say. I mean, the games have at least been enjoyable. Yeah. It's been a lot of anarchy. Uh, I think I'm so on board with the storyline that St. Peter's runs New Jersey. I love it. Uh, Seton hall out Rutgers out. St. Peter's last standing team in the garden state. That's awesome. Kevin Willard's out at Seton hall. Now um, he identified and said, well, maybe Shaheen Holloway is the head coach of the St. Peter's Peacocks. He said, I'd love for him to take my job. That'd be the, the best day of my life when that happens. So looks like that, that's about a done well, I deal. Say, I think that's the wild, wild, most wild part about this tournament where usually like March madness is like, the last opportunity for like certain prospects to like get their name out there and, and build their resume. And, you know, you're on national TV for some of these smaller schools. Like, I mean, we saw a job Morant a couple of years ago with Murray state, like they didn't go far at all, but 
it was a game where everyone got to watch and see John Morant play. They're like, okay, this guy's the real deal. But this tournament has been the conversation of the coaching carousel. It's like, who's going to replace who and who's going where and which dominoes are falling? Because, I mean, there's so many openings now. LSU with Will Wade out, they just lost. So it's like his job's going to be open. And which one of these coaches that are still in the tournament or have played are going to make replacing moves? So definitely storylines to watch uh, once April is said and done. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the bracket. We'll talk about just uh, some other start to the season for the MLB, the NFL free agency and all that in the ball segment. Um, let's talk some beer first, though, before we get into anything. We had a great conversation in Cincinnati with Keith Mickey who's the general manager of the Sam Adams Cincinnati Tap Room. First of all, we'll let Keith tell the stories, but Sam Adams, not necessarily a Boston company to start. Cincinnati. Cincinnati Roots. Roots. Cincinnati Roots. Um, that was something I was not prepared to hear until we talked to the Deadlow folks. Uh, that kind of shocked me. We're like, oh, shit, Cincinnati, Sam Adams. Didn't think about it. But um, we'll review, you know, we'll just, we don't even have to review them. We can just call to uh, attention some of the beers that we had there. You can go first. Um, I think we each had like two or three Um I'm going to find one while you review uh, yours. Uh, I'm going to find my favorite one on there. So let's have at it. I don't know if this one's your favorite, but the Avena Colombiana. I I mean, I gave a four, seven, five it. They have it on untapped as a historical beer, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't remember much of like what the actual beer was, but it was the story to have. It was they were, they partnered with a local, a coffee roaster in the area um, and created this beer. It comes out that bright gold color, but it had like vanilla or chata flavors, like that creamy uh, coffee flavors. But I mean, it was one that it was the first beer we had right off the plane. And I don't know if it was just recency bias, but everything else, the rest of that weekend never touched it. Not to say the beer was bad. I thought this beer was just miles above all of them. Yeah. So Avena Colombiana, I'm not sure if we talked that we probably talked about this in our interview. I guess we'll find out when we, when you guys will find out in a couple of minutes here, but so Avena Colombiana is a very traditional like Colombian oatmeal drink, right? Yes. So they took some product from them. They backed it with basically like an IPA or just a, an Indian pale lager. And they, they use some of her product and that is delicious it tasted like some sort of it tastes like coquito honestly yeah like a rum drink it was fantastic cinnamon vanilla um light aroma like it it was just one of those beers that i was like never had before undescribable but i liked a lot and then of yeah. course i mean i don't know if you're gonna talk about the utopias but that you, was you a, got this because i'm not talking about the utopias that's yeah, that's yeah. Good. we posted it on our instagram i mean what S- sam adams does in boston beer company every um is it two three years i think it's two every two years they release this like limited edition bottle and it's a utopia beer, and it's illegal in 15 states because it's 20 percent and 45 ibu so like not every states can you know distribute it and they only give you know x amount to certain partners so essentially just like distributors um but everybody who's ever been an employee gets a bottle and it's this rich dark cherry flavorful like not a stout but what like i don't even know it's it's a utopias it's like it's just a dark rich beer um super rare we had it in a cup with like 
malted cherries. And I mean, again, one of those drinks where it's like you've never had before. And like the flavors are just like, whoa, it's like all hit you in the face, but nice, like not too like subtle, not too sweet. It just comes out smooth. And it's one of those beers where it's like, I mean, yeah, it's $300 retail. So to get your hands on a beer that expensive and to be able to drink it, I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah, I, I agree. Those were two very interesting beers and the Utopia, even they give us like a small little shot. Cause it's like, no, you can't have a lot. You can't, of yeah. They don't even, I think, what is it? It's one and a half ounces that at, at most, at with most the fruit and everything. Yeah. Right. That was crazy. Um, yeah, those, those were excellent beers. I think for me, I'll, I'll take the coffee Bach, uh, special beer for Bach fest. Um, I see you gave it a three, seven, five on untapped. I'll, I'll give it a four. Um, I actually really liked it. Um, this is the first beer, like the first beer that I had off the plane. Um, and again, you know, maybe it was a bias of, Oh shit, we're in Cincinnati. We're drinking now. Great. I am not going to drown myself in Bach necessarily today, but 9.6%. I'll take that at 12 PM. Um, I mean, my God, that was pretty good. It was a Bach the, and the Bach traditional style is very much like a lager. It's got like the, you know, the very toasty feel, but that coffee just hit so different. It was very good. Special beer. Again, they only have it in certain parts of the year. So uh, I'll, I'll take a four, four out of five, the untap scale for coffee Bach. They had one of the better box out of, I mean, there was 50 to try from, um, got my hands on a good amount of them, but this was definitely one of like the more lighter flavorful ones of the bunch. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm all in on coffee Bach. Um, and honestly, Sam Adams, I mean, you've got to get out there if you're in Cincinnati, um, really good stuff. So without further ado, let's hop into it. Here's Keith McEli from Sam Adams, Cincinnati. We talk a lot about what it means to, to be brewing in Cincinnati, um, how Sam Adams came about and then kind of, uh, how, how active they are in the community. It's very packed. A lot of people come strictly for the Sam Adams name. You'll hear Keith talk all about it. So here he is. Here's Keith from Sam Adams, Cincinnati. All right, everybody, with this this week, we are live at Cincinnati Over the Rhine Tap Room for Sam Adams. We are joined by General Manager Keith McKellie. Keith, welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about the Cincinnati Tap Room. Uh, we opened up a tap room out here in November of 2018, and then I moved out here actually a couple months before the pandemic started, <laughs> January of 2020. That's um, that's always lovely. Yeah, yeah that's you know we, we've heard so many stories about these breweries that open, they're catching wind, and yeah. you know then it's just nothing. Yeah, so quickly. Yeah, I mean we were fortunate. I mean I I feel honestly really bad for a lot of like smaller you know mom and pop breweries. It really just this was it's been hard for everybody but i think especially for them so we were at least fortunate that like hey we're a larger company we're able to you know like shift some stuff to off-premise and kind of make it work for us during that time so um but yeah excited to be here yeah so a, a big shock for us personally you know from new england we know the sam adams brand right you know the boston beer yeah. company brand but not a lot of people know that there's some roots in Cincinnati. So, yeah. so walk us through, you know, what, how this brand started and, and what, sure. you know, kind of the role that Cincinnati played in it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would say up front, we certainly are a Boston centric company. I mean, all of our you know, corporate offices, the majority of our team is based out of there, but 
Uh, it's really kind of fun and interesting. Our founder and brewer, Jim Cook, is actually from Cincinnati originally. He grew up here. Um, and kind of a fun fact, the production brewery that we now own across the street uh, from the tap room here, um, that's you know kind of our reason for being here. Um, but his dad uh, actually worked at that brewery um, and Jim ended up purchasing it. At that time, it was the Shanlin Brewery back in the 90s. And he ended up purchasing it back in uh, like late 96. And by 1997, uh, we were brewing, you know, Boston Lager out of there. So we're actually, we're about to hit on kind of a really cool milestone, which is 25 years we've been brewing in Cincinnati. Um, which is pretty cool. Actually, it's really uh, cool, yeah. Like, during that time, I mean, and it's kind of the story of, like, breweries across the U.S., honestly. Like, so many markets, including Cincinnati, had kind of consolidated where, like, big beer at that point, you know, owned everything. All the small guys basically have been dissolved completely. And part of the, you know, ambition for purchasing this brewery was Jim wanted a way to be able to like control the process of brewing Boston Lager. And they had the equipment here, you know, to do decoction brewing, which is like a big part of Boston Lager. And so he, he was familiar with the brewery, obviously. So that's why he bought it. And, you know, fast forward to 25 years later and at that point we were you know a pretty small team over there but we're up to over 200 employees over there and have grown a lot in the past year which is pretty cool when you have visitors walk in here do they know about the the cincinnati roots really because obviously it's a very boston-centric brand still it's interesting it depends on who you talk to right like there are a lot of old-time cincinnati folks are pretty familiar with like the Huda Paul Shanlin story and, and know that they own the brewery across the street at some point. Um, but I, I would say, especially for younger drinkers, they're not really familiar with that. A lot of people from out of town don't really know that. I mean, that's like the biggest question we get is like, why are you guys here? Like, right. you know, it's like, oh, look at that. Like, you know, they just, uh, they figured Cincinnati would be like a good place yeah. to expand. Right. Yeah. Honestly, the biggest, uh, like impetus for us building the tap room here, besides Jim's history here was like, you know, we have, uh, you know, one of the biggest contingencies of like coworkers here, and honestly, a lot of it came from them. Like people basically saying, like, we want a place to be able to go have a beer after our shift. Like, and that was a big driver of it. Was like when they started looking at, like, does it make sense to actually open something in Cincinnati? It was like, yeah, it, it did for us because we have so many coworkers that you know want to have that experience and really like be proud of what they're doing locally. Now everyone knows, you know, Boston beer and Sam Adams. The cousin from Boston, yeah. uh, the Boston Lager. You know, it's like the haunting from the commercials. Oh, like, I'm the cutout was right when we walked I, in. I'm I like, he doesn't. He doesn't leave Providence. He doesn't leave Boston. It feels like home, though. It feels, you know, it it's, I, like I home. felt very comforted. I'm like, oh, this is still the New England stuff here. Yeah. Exactly. Lovely. But how many people would you say per year come locally as well as on the tourism side? Uh, that's a really good question. I will say I don't have a good answer for that. That's the reason fine. why I will say that is that. Uh, we really only have like a full year of business under our belt before the pandemic hit. And like, it's really hard that first year to like track appropriately because obviously there's going to be a lot more growth that first year than like, you know, five years down the road of being open. And then with the pandemic happening, like it really has changed drinker habits. Like completely, like driven business a lot more daytime, uh, a lot more off premise just in a lot of ways. And so, I don't know, I guess is the, the short answer. Uh, but I will say we definitely are starting to see like beer tourism uh, return to the city, which is awesome. Like 
if you know if you look at probably like the top like five you know tourism reasons for people to come to Cincinnati I think probably our brewing history and our breweries are, it's in the top five you know and so we do see a lot of people especially from like markets within you know six hours or so here coming to Cincinnati specifically uh, to check out breweries um, you know the part of the neighborhood we're in we're now one of like four tap rooms in the neighborhood which is pretty cool so it's it's you can make a day of it you know you can come here and make a day of it which is cool so. and going on top of that i mean how would you describe the cincinnati craft beer community because it was something that we newly discovered and you know doing our research before coming for Bachfest, we're like sure. holy shit like this is this yeah. is a real deal <laughs> right. it's it's pretty unique uh i will say one it's it's really rooted in history i mean there's were a lot of german immigrants that moved to cincinnati originally and so there's actually like a really rich German brewing history here in Cincinnati and a lot of breweries, I mean, us included, I will say, kind of lean into some of that. Like, uh, you know, I think there's, I think there's a preference for certain German styles here you won't find in other markets necessarily. I will say that uh, as far as beer style goes, it's incredibly diverse too. You know, coming from the West Coast, like no exaggeration, you know, the top 20 selling SKUs at the grocery store are IPAs. Mm. Like, across the board <laughs> no other styles in the top 20. uh here it's actually really different i mean you will see like regional players here uh have like you know not just ipa out in the market or at the tap room but like a weed ale you know a german pilsner uh a bach beer we have a whole festival it's <laughs> gonna say you talk about german like you know beers i'm like well you got bach right in front of us for yeah. the next few days honestly i don't know i mean I, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's anywhere else in the U.S. that has, like, a Bach festival on this scale. I, from our research, I did not see anything yeah. dedicated to Bach, no. I, I, I don't yeah, think don't so. don't get much Bach in Rhode Island. No. It's like, there's a few that do it, and they do it well, they but do well. I don't think, you know, it certainly seems like nothing competes with, you know, such a rich German, like, traditional brewing style yeah. than Cincinnati does. Yeah, there's there's Bachfest, and there's also, I mean, uh, Cincinnati, which is, like, last year was the biggest Oktoberfest in the world because well, the uh, German Oktoberfest right, right. happened. Yeah. But, That's uh, a nice little feather in the cap. Like, oh, we had the, we once had the biggest Oktoberfest in the world. It is. I mean, normally, under normal, normal conditions, it's in the top, like, three biggest in the world, well, which is crazy. Uh, but... I mean, if you look at in our metro area, there's probably, I think we're up to like 60 breweries, like in greater Cincinnati. It's a pretty big footprint. You know, we cover the tri-state area, but uh, I would say probably 45 of those breweries have an Oktoberfest beer on or Marzen on during, you know, that season. So I, I don't think you see that necessarily in other markets. I mean, maybe in New England a little bit, but I, we definitely really lean into seasonality here. We definitely lean into some of those historic styles. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, like, drinkers here love the hazy IPA as well. So it's... Who doesn't? Yeah. It's literally called Wicked wicked Hazy. Yeah. You know, you've got a, a Wicked Hazy beer. Off that, too, we should probably highlight what we're drinking now. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of walk us through. Sure. But we've... I know I've got the... Is it the Logan Street Wheat, Logan too? Street Wheat. Yeah. Tastes pretty light. It's, yeah. it's comfortable. Yeah. You know, I'm not... As we're doing this, what? It's 1 o'clock. I'm not yeah. ready to dive straight <laughs> sure. in. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, so what's, what's going on with Logan yeah. Tree Week here? Uh, so it's kind of funny why we rebrewed that. We've brewed it previously, and uh, you guys may have noticed when you came in right now, but there's a bunch of construction happening out on Logan Street in front of us, and 
it was kind of an inside joke for us. We were like, you know what? With all the construction going on, we should rebrew Logan Street wheat. <laughs> here we are. We're just drinking it now. So that's why we rebrewed it here. But it's the idea behind that beer is supposed to be like a light, refreshing wheat beer. Uh, this still like has pretty good hop presence. Uh, so uh, there's some brew one hops in there. There's some laurel hops in there. Um, it definitely is meant just to be like, the hoppy wheat, but not like it's, it's not supposed to mimic IPA. It definitely has a lighter touch to it, definitely more subtle, and honestly, just like a nice, warmer weather refresher. I'd say, overall. yeah, perfect to get in the mood for 78 tomorrow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> man, we kind of wish for better Bachfest weather. It's crazy, yeah, that, that's incredible. What's on tap for you? I think I grabbed the Avino Colombiana, yeah, the Avino Colombiana, yeah, nice. so. That beer is actually a really fun collaboration beer that we did, actually. Um, so, uh, you guys may or may not know that we have a uh, kind of program that Sam Adams runs called Brewing the American Dream. Hmm. Um, it gives basically grants to small businesses throughout the U.S. Um, and uh, a few years ago in Cincinnati, one of the recipients of a grant was actually uh this place called the rapa place and arepas are basically a kind of colombian street food um honestly the easiest way i could describe it if you've had a, a gyro or a hero or have, however you want to pronounce it <laughs> before um it almost is like the colombian version of that it's hmm. kind of like a shell like a corn pita type shell uh that normally is stuffed with like seasoned meat um, i definitely would recommend them to go try them if you know, during the time you hear the raid over by Finley Market, but uh, the owner of that uh, got a grant through Brewing the American Dream. She actually opened uh, right before the pandemic hit, similar to us, uh, a storefront over there. Um, and then we actually approached her about doing some kind of collaboration last year. Um, and our head brewer, Chris, honestly, he was kind of, he was looking up like some kind of traditional drinks from Colombia and was really inspired by kind of the the wide range of the kind of different styles and different things are doing there so we actually we went over there did a tasting with her and uh kind of ran through like hey here's some traditional colombian drinks and we settled upon this there's this traditional drink from colombia called avena which is hmm. it's essentially like an oated milkshake is the easiest way i could describe it so this was our beer version of this um Definitely was really, really unique. We hadn't really seen anything like that done before, so that's why we wanted to try it out. Uh, we hear the feedback from drinkers a lot, but it tastes like cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, oh. I, I feel I taste the yeah. sweetness. Yeah, it definitely. It's meant to be like uh, you know, if you're in Colombia, it's meant to be like a breakfast drink type thing. You know, I love like it. A, a, Kind of milk alternative, I guess I would say. My mind goes to like Coquito from Puerto Rico too, yeah, like yeah, with yeah. the with the kind of spiced rum drinks, almost yeah. like a, almost milkshakey texture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long story yeah. short, I will be sampling yeah. that after this. It, it definitely has that vibe to it for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we have been super excited to work with her. She's been a great partner. Uh, Isis is the owner over there. She actually she just opened her second store this past weekend. Uh, in one of the suburbs around Cincinnati here. So yeah. uh, we're excited to see that like things have been going great for her business-wise. And, you know, this is one of those beers, like, it, it did really well when we had it on tap. And there's demand, and that's why we brought it back. So it's here exclusively in the tap room and also at her two stores. Um, so it's one of the few beers that, like, is tap room only that we have sent out. Um, but really just because it ties in, you know, the collaboration that we're doing. So nice. And then, so... 
I want to cover the rest of the beers on the menu. And yeah. I know we kind of talked about some exclusive ones in yeah. the tap room, but there's one that I do want to touch upon that's not on the sure. board. Uh, you probably know what I'm going to mention. I think so. Maybe Utopias? Yeah. yeah. So obviously we did a homework. Summer, you know, you had one of the releases. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny. Illegal in 15 states. Yeah. 28%. Um, it was in a special copper brew kettle decanter. Yeah. Retailing at $240. And yeah. It sold out quick. It, it did. Yeah. We, uh, so we're fortunate. We're one of the states where you actually can serve it. Um, this will actually be a great plug. We are launching a Utopias tour uh, this weekend oh. on Sunday uh, for the first time, which is pretty cool. We will like do a tour of the tap room. We actually will take folks over to like our barrel aging uh, facility across the street and show off some kind of like basically the uh, tap room stuff that we're barrel aging right now. And then we end with the tasting of Utopias, which is pretty cool. Um, we're pulling into the stash to grab some 2019 Utopias, uh, which is awesome. But yeah, we, that beer, uh, as far as Sam Adams goes, we, uh, we brew that beer every two years. Um, I think, uh, I think this past one was maybe the 10th time that we've done it. I'll have to double check that, hmm. but uh we've been you know we've been brewing it for uh yeah i think this was 10 times every two years like 20 years or so and kind of one really really cool aspect of utopias is that every year that we brew it um it incorporates some of the blend from previous years so when you have the you know 2021 version of it it has some blend from each of the other previous two years so hmm. dating back to when we first did it which is kind of cool um, we also do something kind of cool with the Utopias barrels here at the tap room uh, afterwards. Um, luckily, our head brewer Chris is able to get his hands on those, and we do typically a beer that's aged in Utopias barrels that we release at our anniversary party each year. So this past year uh, was chocolate Boctopias. Oh wow! Um, and then the year before that uh, was Stoutopias. So it was like a Imperial Stout aged in Utopias barrels. So. Um, that's wild they're, they're really cool barrels though I mean they have tons and tons of character to them um, you know you get some notes in that beer that like you don't really get from other beers it's like leather sherry you know almost like brandy cognac type hmm. of thing which is pretty cool um, so with with Utopias too what are, are folks mostly coming here to go grab them you know how do they get their hands on them because they're so exclusive yeah, right it, it is super super rare uh, right. I I don't know off the top of my head the amount of barrels we produce a year Utopias but it's like it's less than 500 barrels for the right. year. I think it's like 300 or something like that so that um, probably goes really quick it, it does uh, so Honestly, it, when it goes out to the market, it does go out to, you know, all 50 states, but in a very, very limited capacity. So a lot of times, you know, it goes to retailers that we have worked with, you know, for 20 plus years, you know, uh, it, it does go in some limited capacity to some Kroger's around here. Um, but honestly, it's a bit of a, a goose hunt, like people, you know, got to try to find it out in the market. Um, they can come here to actually have a taste of it during our anniversary party. We do sell like individual tasters of it, which is kind of cool. So if you don't want to drop 240 on the bottle, that's one way you can, you can try it out uh, for sure. But honestly, a lot of it's luck to be able to find a bottle. Like even, you know, in New England and Boston, like you're, it's probably one bottle per account that's going to. Oh, man. So if you get it, you're super fortunate. Yeah. And, and hang on to it for but, sure. But that's interesting. So it's, it's almost, you guys are distributing it too, because you mentioned yeah. one bottle per Per count, so that's yeah. that's leaving you know the the tap room, the brewery, all that stuff, yeah. and it's you guys are actually shipping it, you know, 
know, all across, uh, yeah. you know, your normal channels. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely the most limited beer that right. we do on that uh, wide scale. And honestly, I think that was part of the intention behind it was, like, we wanted something to be really, really exclusive, like, a real gift, essentially. I mean, yeah, it's a big price tag, but, like, a gift to, you know, the, like, beer connoisseur that, like, wants something that exclusive. And, I mean, the packaging is really cool. I'll show you guys the bottle before you leave today, but it's, uh, I mean, it's really cool packaging. It's, like, this ceramic packaging that we do, and it's modeled after, like, a, a brew kettle, which is pretty awesome. So, and every year is different. Like, we don't brew the same recipe year after year. Um, right. The 2021 version was actually really cherry-focused. Uh, we aged that one on Bellaton cherries. Uh, same cherries that we use, actually, in the cherry wheat, which is kind of cool. Ooh. They're from Michigan. Um, but then, like, you go back four years ago, we used, like, some maple syrup in that one, which is kind of cool. So it's, it just depends on what the variation is. But it's a flavor variety. It, it is. It is. It is. Yeah, if nothing else, you know, it's like uh, the – and 28% too. I mean, that helps uh, yeah. draw the – I mean, when we pour it, it is a 1.5-ounce pour at the tap. Right oh, really? It's, yeah. It's tiny. I mean, it's basically – it's shot size, and, you know, you're sipping it like you would yeah. That makes sense. You know, I, I I don't know why I had this vision in my head that maybe it was like a three or five ounce pour, but that's like too much. We were yeah. just talking about that today with like the same kind of deal with nitro coffee. It's like they can't give you the large yeah. because yeah. they know you're going to be wired, uh, oh, you know, yeah. all day. It's, you can't be pouring, you know, eight ounce, ten ounce yeah. of the uh, this kind of stuff. Yeah, when we brewed that beer back in the day, uh, at that point it was the strongest beer that had been released uh, by that point. Oh my Since god, then, it's not. Uh, there's been a few other breweries that've done like you know way more aggressive stuff but that was, i think that was kind of jim's vision behind it was like he wanted a beer that honestly blurred the lines a little bit between like beer and what spirits can be and also at that point was kind of like the most extreme beer that could be made um once you get above that alcohol percentage it's, just, it's really hard to get it to ferment you know if you're not distilled um and, and this one's not done through you know distillation it's it's more traditional processes um it is, I will add one other cool note about it. It is actually one of the few products in our company that uh, all of our sites uh, on the Sam Adams side actually play a role in creating it. Hmm. So we brew the wort for Utopias here in Cincinnati. It actually gets sent from there to our Pennsylvania brewery uh, to go through like the next stage of the process um, just because they have a lot more space than we do. Um, and then it gets uh, finished basically at our Jamaica plant brewery. They basically package it there. Uh, they get it into, you know, the bottles and all that. So it's pretty cool that kind of a bunch of people in the company have their hand in the creation of it. All right. Everybody can touch it, which is really cool. Yeah, um, sure. Let's talk about Bockfest, yeah, right? Yeah, um, give us the, you know, maybe 10-second pitch for Bockfest. Um, and... You know, I mean, it's it's not every day that you get a, a festival dedicated to Bach beer, yeah. right? So, what's uh, what's sure. in store for Bachfest? Uh, so, it kicks off tonight with the big parade that happens, actually, and goes throughout downtown. And then uh, there's a 5K as well. And then kind of Saturday and Sunday will be the bulk of, like, the on-site activation, I would say. But uh, traditionally, they actually have had this festival uh, over at what used to be the Moorline Mole House. Uh, since then, it's moved. So, this year, it's had a new location. So at Finley Park, but uh, I am pretty sure there's at least 30, possibly up to 40 different breweries represented at it, all of them brewing the unique Bach beer for this. Um, so last year, uh, when we had this, we brewed Double Bach, 
um, which is kind of, it's like a old, you know, recipe from our catalog. It was like actually one of the first winter seasonals that we ever did as a company. Uh, so we've brought that back in the past for Bockfest, which is kind of cool. This year we decided to brew something totally new for Bockfest. We brewed a coffee bock. That was delicious, yeah, by the way. We had a sample of that. That was really good. It was strong. Yeah, um, it's certainly strong. Yeah. It definitely is. Um, yeah, and we, uh, we, we loved brewing this year's version because we actually, we worked with a local coffee company, uh, Deeper Roots. Um, they're a great partner of ours. We, we do a coffee pale ale throughout the year that we actually use some beans from them. Um, but they're, you know, a great, like, friend of ours. Our head brewer is really good friends with their owner. And they, uh, they like, ethically source all their beans. They buy direct, you know, from farmers and different markets that they buy from. Uh, and I think they just put out some great, you know, coffee overall. Um, but yeah, he actually, he took green beans and aged them uh, for four days in a Utopia's barrel and then pulled those out. And then we actually cold steeped that in the beer before finishing off the beer. So hmm. this actually has a little bit of the Utopia's character. It's like, it's way more subtle than some of those like Utopia's beers I was talking about. But and there's a little bit of that in there in the coffee, which is really, really cool. So uh, came through like a few trials with them and uh, they were just they were excited to try out like barrel aging a coffee bean, uh, which is kinda like a new technique some roasteries are trying. So just kind of cool collaboration across the board. Yeah. I mean this is all great stuff and uh, we appreciate the time. Before we let you go, I mean, out of this whole list of beers here, your yeah. favorite. Uh, you know, I'm going to go right now with Avena. I, yeah. I honestly mm. love that Avena beer. I think it's like, it's just so unique. I haven't really had another beer that's like it. Um, and I think it just it highlights Chris's creativity and like the collaboration aspects. Uh, but probably seconds to coffee block. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Well, Keith, we appreciate the time. Thank cool. you so much. Yeah, Where can absolutely. our listeners, when they visit Cincinnati, come stop by the tap room absolutely. and uh, yeah. find your information online? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, check out uh, samadamcincy.com. You can get all the info there. So, cool. Perfect. Nice and simple. That's yeah. been a simple pitch uh, <laughs> compared to yeah. others. But, but Keith, appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. Have ourselves a weekend here at yeah. Blockfest, and uh, we're looking forward to coming back and, and enjoying the tap room all here. Right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. And that was just Keith McKeelai, the general manager of the Sam Adams over the Rhine tap room in Cincinnati. I mean, what can you say? Great interview, great experience. We appreciate the folks over at Sam Adams to give us the tour, give us the private tasting and have the chance to interview. And now we're going to head over to business. Um, Jake mentioned it before the founders and friends event. It was quite the busy week for beers, business and balls. So we're starting to lay out the interviews one by one, but we have uh, Mike Nealon over at Focus Forward Media, an emerging media group based in Providence. Uh, if you haven't checked out the website, they have a ton of, ton of awesome stuff. They work with our friends over at Squad Locker. They work at some of our uh, favorite places too, uh, Providence Bagel being one of them. But they were the ones that also took the photos uh, that we posted from the event itself. I mean, they are professional as they are, and they're, they are crazy emerging. So we'll head right over to Mike and hear what he has to say about Focus Forward Media and starting up a business in Rhode Island. So here is Mike Nealon. 
All right, everybody, you know, interview next on the list for founders and friends, Mike Nealon, Focus Forward Media, now in Providence, originally Pawtucket. Uh, let's hear the e-pitch. We'll hear the e-pitch of the company and then tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so we're Focus Forward Media. We're essentially a video production company, uh, but we do all sorts of media. So uh, we work with various brands offering photography, video, um, and social media content. So uh, all kinds of uh, social media content, but a lot of a lot of video is where we're heavy. I got yeah. What's the what was the genesis of this? Right, you know, we find it so fascinating hearing the stories of how startups got founded. Yeah. You know, what what was the light bulb for you to go down this road? It is uh, it is kind of a cool story. So my partner and I met about five years ago, five six years ago, and uh, we were both at the time freelancing for a marketing agency and just kind of not unhappy but didn't love the agency we were with um, they started going downhill him and I had gotten a really good job together and we just said hey you know what we can do this better we can do this together and cut out the middleman and so we did so six months later we quit and started our own company now how has it been starting a business in Rhode Island 2019 was the year that this all began and then you know your mission is to create more visibility for you know the different content that you're providing and the different marketing services but basically starting in Rhode Island how has that been yeah I mean it's been great uh, so we we actually started in 2018 and, yeah no worries uh, we started in 2018 and it's been great. We've learned a ton over the years. So we started as super specific and just video. And then we kind of took on other things that randomly came up. You know, we could do a website, sure. We could take photos, sure. And over time, we like really kind of figured out our goals and our services and what we're what we were best at, what we could offer and really be proud of. And, uh, so it's been fun like learning about all these businesses in Rhode Island, um, getting to work with so many awesome entrepreneurs and businesses. And you know, like one of our clients is Providence Bagel, another client is a zoo, another client is uh, you know, a construction company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Squad Locker. Gotta give them the Squad yeah. Locker's a client. Yes, yeah, we do their uh, podcast, Pass Up Run. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's all coming fun. full circle. Yes, yeah, exactly. We've, uh, we've talked to you, we've talked to you, we know those guys very well. They're awesome. I love those guys. Yeah, so it's been. Is that, that where you got it? Yeah, it's good. Awesome. It's good stuff. That's it's hard. It's good stuff. They don't mess around. Yeah. They don't mess around. But, uh, yeah, so it's been fun to just really learn about all these different businesses and industries and just kind of keep growing. So what, um, you know, what's, when you look at a future, right, when you look at a strategy for you guys, what does that look like, you know, maybe one, three, five years down the road, you know, how does a group like Focus Forward Media kind of progress and how do they do it in Rhode Island and beyond? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we've been, like, I think what we've been most interested in is keeping the variety of work so a lot of people we talk with are like oh you should really narrow down and get into a niche and get into a certain industry and we just can't do it it's too fun to be able to work with a zoo work with squad locker work with a construction company work with a food business work with a tech company an app a mobile you know everything it's all over the place and it keeps it interesting for us it keeps it interesting for our team you know a lot of times in our interviews like we ask our potential new employees like you know what do you look for in a job like what do you, what do you want 
And they're like, honestly, I just want to be able to work on a variety of things. Um, you know, we have a sister brand called Neil Media that offers wedding video and photography. Um, so to be able to work on that, work on personal projects like that, um, it, it just keeps it interesting for us, for our team, and, and for the whole company. So it's been like, and I mean, in Rhode Island, it's like, you, you know, Nick mentioned before that like Boston is very tech and medicine and yeah. biomed, whereas Rhode Island, although small, everything. they got everything. Kind of just everything. It's yeah. literally a variety. Like, I'm getting married in Newport next summer. I mean, uh, next month. Congrats. Oh, congrats. Wow. You better not <laughs> yeah. miss that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, Newport, huge wedding destination. Providence, businesses. There's everything here. I mean, we've been able to work, like I said, we've worked with businesses all over the, the spectrum. Absolutely. Now, you obviously came from the freelance world, now into the startup. Um, what has been the biggest challenge for you, and what has been the most rewarding thing for you? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I would say the most challenging thing has actually been to build an actual company, uh, to have employees, have a team, and actually manage them and help them grow and become better people and employees. Uh, that's been honestly a challenge and rewarding to see where they started. You know, a couple of our employees now have been almost a year. And just to see where they started with us into now, it's like so cool to look back on it and go, wow, like we really helped shape them and they've, they've done awesome for us. Yeah. It's, managing people is not something either of us learned in college. And that's so the thing, it's like, it's so, you know, you, it, it's almost like a grow up moment when you're, yeah, when you're really. a guy. Right. We had no experience on how to how to hire and manage people. Like, what do we know? How big is your team now? Uh, so it's myself, my business partner, and then five employees. How do you? Is it almost like? And again, when you think about growth, like, is it almost like you want to keep that small of a team, or is it, you know, let's go hire 20, 40, 60 people? You know, I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously we want to grow, we want to keep growing, um, but it's almost like keeping that small mentality with a bigger team, so as we grow, being able to like, you know, like Trent, one of our, our guys here, he's our studio manager, he's full-time with us, um, he's been with us almost a year, see the growth he's had, it's been awesome, but him, myself, my, my co-founder and business partner, like we all just have a great rapport in the office. We're all friends in a sense. We can all go to each other with problems, questions, um, and we definitely want to just keep that sort of small team mentality even as we grow and want to expand. And from your experience, you know, what, what has been the best way to manage people, to motivate people, to kind of buy into what you're building? Um, I would say uh, positivity uh, and almost uh, taking a step back. Like if there's a problem or an issue or something goes wrong, it's figuring out a way to solve it before like, almost like snapping the whip and like reprimanding. It's just like figuring out like what is the solution, why, how can we get there, and just figuring out like a positive way to move forward. Um, yeah, that's definitely the best way. Absolutely, and I mean, this is something that you never envisioned, right? You know, you never knew that you were going to hop into your own brand, yeah. you know, manage this group of people, but take a few years back before we even started this. What advice do you wish you heard, you know, from where you are today that you're like, everything will be all right and we'll get it forward? What what words of wisdom do you wish you heard way back when? Um, probably, like, when things are stressful or, like, going wrong, like, it's going to be okay. Like, 
shit's gonna work out. It's gonna, you know, everything will happen. Just take a deep breath. Uh, you know, I, and I've gotten better at it, but definitely over time, you just learn more and more. But early on, like running into problems, it was like everything was the end of the world. Like something small happens with a client or with a, somebody on the team, like. This is This is the end for us now. Right. And just, just trying to realize that it's you know everything's gonna be, gonna be okay. It's gonna, it's gonna be alright. It's a very good message, right? I think the positivity part of that is something everybody can relate to, and you know the, the perseverance, right? So, Mike, thanks so much. Uh, tell our listeners where they can keep up with you guys, yeah. the cool things you're doing, and how they can engage with uh, Focus Forward. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we're pretty active on Instagram at Focus Forward Media. Every week we do a weekly series where you can watch what we're doing in the office all week. It's called Fridays at Focus Forward. Oh, nice. um, and then our website is focusforwardmedia.com. And you can check out our sister brand for weddings, neilandmedia.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the beer. And we'll talk oh, to you soon. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. That was Mike Nealon of Focus Forward Media. Great time at Founders and Friends in Rhode Island a couple of weeks ago. Uh, let's hop into balls presented by Manscaped. You know the drill by now. Manscaped is the best on the market for men's grooming tools. Go over to manscaped.com house or use the code house at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Okay, college basketball. We alluded to it a bit in the open. Um, there were a lot of upsets. We'll leave it at that. Um, I don't know, just so many good teams going down. You have Kentucky down, you have Tennessee out, you have Illinois out. Big Ten's going to Big Ten, but the SEC is also going to SEC too. Um, what's the last team standing in the SEC? I, I totally just blanked on this. It's um, I'm going to be so mad because Auburn's out. Um, Arkansas? Yeah, not a good – No, uh, oh, no uh, they're Big Yeah, 12. Arkansas. Oh, no, Arkansas, yeah. That's it. Arkansas is the last SEC team. That's so nuts. And everybody had them losing to Vermont. I hand up. So did I. Yeah, I, I definitely had Vermont in the Sweet 16. Oh, no, I had UConn in the Sweet At 16. Least but UConn, country. another fraud. Iowa, yeah. fraud. Lots of frauds out there. A lot of frauds. I mean, we're looking at the games on Thursday. So we have Arkansas-Gonzaga. Gonzaga's nine-point favorites. Nova-Michigan. Villanova is four-and-a-half-point favorites. Texas Tech and Duke is pretty much a pick them, minus one, Texas Tech. And That's Houston, crazy. Houston, Arizona, Arizona is minus one. Those are oh. some interesting – That those are juicy. Um, those are juicy. And then Friday, it's huh, Kansas-Providence. Kansas is eight-point favorites. Saw that. Purdue that Saint, screams like a Providence cover. Screams like – I think it's a Providence win. I think it's Providence hmm. win. Naismith, uh, coach of the year finalist, Ed Cooley. If you are a Providence better money line plus two seventy five, I can sprinkling. fuck around. With that. I'll be sprinkling. <laughs> uh, Purdue St. Peter's minus twelve and a half. That screams like a St. Peter's cover. Mm. You already beat. You already beat Kentucky. Keep it going. You know. Do you go um, money line plus six fifty? <laughs> probably not, but I can't I, do that. You There's can't no do that. Way. Not against Purdue, man. UCLA UNC minus two USCLA and then Miami oh, um, Iowa State minus two and a half Miami. Interesting stuff. I mean, 
right off the bat, I like a Providence cover plus seven. I like Iowa State cover plus two and a half. I like Michigan, or excuse me, I like Villanova. I, I, I can't, yeah. I can't sprinkle anything on Michigan. Um, You're gonna take Duke. I'm taking, I'm taking Duke money line. You bet your ass, I'm taking Duke money line. Yeah. Um, um, what else? Do we like Arkansas that? to cover plus nine? I think I so. Do. I think so. Which is like kind of frustrating with Gonzaga, where it's like it happens every year that like they get all of these five star talents, they get number one. They play in a joke conference. They play in a joke conference, and then, you know, they still win, but it's like they're not, like, winning by these dominant spreads. Like, I, I, I forgot what it was over the weekend the spread was. Um, it was, like, 10 over Memphis. Yeah, right? and it's like I had, I had Memphis cover. Oh. Because it was, like, after the first game, it's like they're not going to, like, when they play. It's minus six, nine and a half when yeah. it closed. So, I don't know. I, I like Gonzaga, and I think if they make it to the championship, like, they can't lose back-to-back. But right. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like they just need to get into the Pac-12 already, show that they're, like, actually worthy of competition. I know. So, here's the thing about the Zags. There's, they are the only team active right now. It's gone to seven straight Sweet 16s. There's only yeah. other two programs that have done that, and that's Duke and North Carolina. So, they're good. I. I, I don't want to say necessarily that I'm not they're, saying they're not. Yeah. They're not, not good. I'm just saying that like, they're very overhyped. Right. I, I would agree that to say it's a joke of a conference. I, I don't know. I'm not there yet. I definitely was because San Francisco's good. I think um, St. Mary's is decent. I don't know. There's a few like BYU usually throws a good team out there. They were six seed last year. People forget that. So. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, the Zags, uh, I, I'm just a little worried about them playing Duke. That's all. I, I have no doubt they'll beat Arkansas. I'm worried about them playing Duke or Texas Tech, whatever happens next. Uh, I don't feel like losing my champion, so I got to bet some money on Duke here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. As far as everything else, um, liking the way North Carolina's been playing, that's for sure. Um, they, they picked off Baylor in overtime. Uh, Villanova looks pretty good. They had to get their bearings against Delaware, but they uh, – they look pretty good at this point. So I, I'm confident with Villanova in the final four. They steamrolled Ohio, uh, Ohio state a couple of days ago. So I'm cool with it at this point. Now, you know, I, I think if there's any upset that you have to pick in this next board of the sweet 16, what do you got? Cause my upset, you can call it an upset. I think it's Iowa state over Miami. Yeah. I like Iowa state over Miami. Um, I kind of like UNC over UCLA. Mm. I don't hate that as a, I mean, as a joke, I mean, I, I will be putting money on St. Peter's. Uh, you have to, it's like, if you beat the two seed, like that's a straight shot. It's like, I think they can beat anybody and the story's too good right <sighs> now. Yeah. And the one and seed's then, out too. Yeah. I mean, I, I rightfully so have to take Providence over Kansas. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you there. I they're might too do far. They're too line. far out where it's like, I had them. I had Providence losing to – who did I have? I had them losing to Iowa in the, in the second round. Yeah, the, so, yeah, 32. Yep. It's like now it's at the point – and that, like, that, again, that's no disrespect to Providence. Like, we were rooting for them all year long. I just thought – I had Iowa in the final four. Right. So, it's like <laughs> – I, I hear you. I see this team of destiny. 
Yep. Um, I'm right with you, man. I think that's, that's a good pick too, but sweet 16, you know, that this is where good teams come to die. So we'll see what happens here. Um, a lot more college basketball for you next week as well. When the final four set, I'm looking forward to that and potentially a good college basketball guest. Keep your eyes out. Um, before we wrap up NFL free agencies going haywire, um, you know, and the MLB started too, which is nice. Those are two big things. Um, I suppose we can pick maybe one big NFL free agent that you were surprised at or are like, what the hell happened here? Um, you know, I feel like that's a good way to capture the NFL free agency right now. So I'll do a free agent and I'll do a, just a recap on the trades because right now I think, and I don't know if we're like, again, recency bias that we've just in Cincinnati and we're fucking with Cincinnati, but the Bengals, I mean, they did exactly what they needed to do and they yeah. signed three very good offensive linemen. They signed, um, what's his name? Uh, Lael Collins, who is a former cowboy. They signed Teddy uh, Karras, the former Pat and Dolphin. Yep. And then they signed Alex Kappa, who was a, um, who was on the Bucks. So you have two guys with Super Bowl experience playing it with Tom Brady. And you have a guy in Collins that the Cowboys every year have a top one to three offensive line unit, letting Dak Prescott thrive, letting um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott thrive. These three guys, I mean, now the opportunities are endless for the Bengals to draft whoever they need instead of, you know, putting all of their money into offensive line. They should probably still have depth. Absolutely. But, you know, they just lost CJ Uzoma. So it's like, yep. they're going to need a tight end. There's plenty of tight ends in the prospect. They could get more weapons. They can bolster up the defense. Like they have so many moves now where it's like, you just spent the house on the offensive line unit, which was needed because Joe Burrow was on his ass the entire playoffs. I think confidently I'll, I'm going to put money on the Bengals returning to the Super Bowl. I think it's like, these are, these are a move that it's like, wow, our franchise quarterback who tore his ACL two seasons ago was then the highest sacked quarterback and we made it to the Super Bowl. Let's fix what we need to do. And they did. Yeah. So, I, I gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's say, a, yeah. It's a bold take. I get it though. Um, I, I think they might need one more, one more piece. That's my take on the Bengals. I don't know where it needs to be, yeah. but they might need one more. Um, I will go with a free agent that I was surprised at. This is JC Jackson to the chargers. The chargers uh, as a whole. Whoa. They made some moves. Whoa. Yeah. And I mean, that's a five years, 82 and a half million for JC Jackson. That's money well spent. That's the thing. You know, I wish the Patriots would have made it work somehow with them selfishly. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think JC has proven himself top five defensive back in the league right now. Um, he's been excellent. So wish him well. Pats need to find somewhere to fill in the gaps, but I think that's the best signing of the the of free agency right now at this point. Um, I was say, I mean, that was definitely a, a good one. And I thought, um, I mean, we're just going to go with the Chargers. Like they traded for Cleo Mack next to Joey Boza. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. And then they also signed, um. What is his name? Well, they signed Gerald Everett, Seahawks tight end, Rams defensive tackle, Sebastian Joseph Day. Got Khalil Mack, got 
JC Jackson and a bunch of other random right. ones. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive, pretty impressive, but they had to compete because you already had the chiefs up here. The chargers now, obviously, you know, have, have what they need to do with their offense around Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. And then you also have uh, the Raiders. They just got Devontae Adams. So, yeah, a lot this of is, that, that was a big splash, too. Um, that, was, that was awesome. Uh, this has been amazing. Yeah, this is wild stuff coming out of the NFL this year. So, Wait, are we not going to talk about Deshaun Watson? I, I don't want to. <laughs> all I have to say I is, need, all right, how about, how about say if he plays, right, we'll take the, the crime out of it. Did they give up too much for Deshaun Watson? No. You don't think so? I don't think so. Five picks? I think because he has the potential to be that good. I really do. I think it's a lot. I, I think it's a lot now, but I think time will tell the story. I think it's a lot because of the criminal charges and stuff. No, but like take the, oh, that's what I'm saying. Take the criminal charges out of it. If you take it out, I think it's, I think like Deshaun fine. Watson playing. I think, I think that's fine. When you if look at what Russell Wilson just got the hall for, you know, I, well, I, I think, I think the uh, Seahawks fleeced him. I really do. Yeah. Eh, that's a good point. He's Russell Wilson. Listen, he's a champion. He's been there. He's done that. He's on the older side. He had a banged up last year the Broncos needed that but to trade the picks and then Noah Font a young quarterback that can be flipped and then another defensive player I think that's a haul too like I think the winner out of all of this was the Colts trading Matt Ryan getting Matt Ryan for just a third I agree with that yeah let him be a bridge guy and then you already made up your picks for Carson Wentz that you lost originally I think they they probably had the best trade financially, fiscally. That's fair. That's a fair, fair assessment. I, I do like it, but stories yet to be told on him, uh, meeting Watson stories yet to be told on a lot of these guys too. So I, I don't know. We wait and see time tells the story of Deshaun Watson for me. Um, I want to do a full breakdown of, of the MLB next week. And I think I want to do that because I don't think we're done. I think there's some stuff that we still need to react to and it's going to happen like full week. I want to do a full breakdown and I want to do it next week. Cause I don't know how to react on a lot of this shit yet. So Let's do one, one, one guy. We talk about Donaldson. I think we hold it. We, we can hold that off. We we'll can hold, hold that, that off. off. I mean, mine is going to be Carlos Correa. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, it relates to Donaldson. I know, because they traded to clear the space to sign him. I get it. Yes. So I, I guess we'll save that. I mean, all right. We'll Trevor just do, Story to the Red Sox. We'll do Trevor, yeah, I was going to say Trevor Story to the Red Sox. Yeah. My hot take, and I saw, shout out to Small States, big takes for this. Xander Bogarts, bring him to the pinstripes in 2023. Oh, listen, like the Red Sox had to trade Mookie Betts because they did not want to pay him after all he did 
and he is versatile. Who is another versatile star player that they've had since day one that is going to command big money? Xander Bogarts. Now, do I think that the Yankees will do it after seeing what's happening? No. Probably not. But if the Yankees – and I, don't, I think the Yankees are still a good team. I think they improved in certain places and digressed in other. But if the Yankees get their teeth kicked in this year, everyone's ass is on the hot seat. Boone, Cash, house decision-making, I don't know, or it's like you're going to have to spend money on a shortstop. Now, it also could be Carlos Correa. He has two opt-outs. If it's not this year, it's next year. And it's not, you know, that's a, that's at that very, point, he's a free too. agent. So, but Trevor Story to the Red Sox, that one stung. You know, when I heard that it was down to the Astros, the Yankees, and a third surprise team, I'm like, well, he's probably just going to go to the Astros because they just lost Correa. Mm. I thought that made the most sense. But then I also heard that the Rangers were the fourth team, which again, the Rangers – have yourself an offseason. Congrats on the money. You're all probably going to get bounced in the playoffs anyway. I just have no faith in the Rangers. They wanted Story in left field. Yeah. yeah. The Red Sox are going to play Story at second. These aren't his natural positions. You're just yeah. you're buying the bat. Yeah. it's a, Right. You buy the bat and you figure it out. And Fenway is a very easy – it's relatively speaking, if you're not playing right or center, it's, it's an easy place to learn defensively, right? It's also frustrating, though, that it's like other teams are buying the bat, whereas the Yankees now are like, let's get the people that play the position. But I, then yeah. again, where does DJ LeMay who play? I agree. Yeah, he's there's nowhere for him right now. Right, so. right now, right now, the projections are him on the bench. I know. What? For a two-year removed batting champion. That's interesting, but – what i don't know i want to save my reaction we'll for the yankees him. until i see him play right because he, he looked good right he looked good this week so oh i we mean we can do a full yankees preview we'll do a, full, like, we'll do a yeah yeah i i think that just i think that's a big one i think freddie freeman and the dodgers another big one too kind of came out of left field and we can break down all these big deals you know um as the weeks go on as the players evolve over spring training but i mean it's a lot to be disappointed about as a yankees fan i don't want to get into it because i'm happy so <laughs> let's, yeah, let's save yeah. the negativity right we'll um, save the negativity i mean but yeah. freddie freeman to the dodgers though stung too that yep not even stinging it's just like the dodgers are just a wagon that team like no matter what happens they just keep getting so much better so much better. It's but like all the time all the time all the time so i actually know one surprise one that has nothing to do with yankees or contenders chris bryant to the rockies yeah that's dumb like what are the rockies what do they want to do it's that you can't pay story you can't pay all these guys and you sign bryant what is no, Bryant I mean, doing? Too? it just shows that like this lockout really was pointed to the players making money yeah oh i, I because agree. like a guy like chris bryant who an MVP? Uh, yeah. yeah MVP, I think so. World Series champion, a winner. He wants to win. I mean, he went to – he was on the Cubs, went won a World Series, got traded to the, the Giants. You know, I thought he was going back to the Giants, to be completely honest. I think they missed on him because it's like, why are you going to waste your career away as a Rocky? Like, you're done. You're going to be traded in four years when they have to reset again. 
Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, he won an NL MVP, Rookie of the Year, Hank Aaron Award, uh, four-time All-Star. Yeah. You trade Arenado, who is arguably a much better third baseman. I'd be pissed. I'd be real pissed if I were him. You know? And it's like, you couldn't give money to those guys. You gave it to Chris Bryant, who's older. Yeah. You had... I don't know. I'm, so, I'm happy baseball's back, right? I'm happy baseball's I, back. I am. I'm, I'm glad we have something to talk about, finally. I right? agree. Because instead of just blaming Manfred for everything, we finally have deals to criticize and all this stuff. So this is good. This is good stuff. The Rockies just don't make sense to me. That's the, they the most frustrating one because it's like your infield was literally DJ LeMahieu, Trevor Story, and Nolan Arenado. I know, and they pissed it away. Look, at they have nothing to show for it now. Chris Bryant's massive deal. That's <laughs> so I don't know why he'd want to be a part of court like that, that area too. I mean, he can hit homers. He can have a good career, but at what cost, right? You're not going to win shit. Anything. Unless they make significant pitching investments. I don't know, man. Just seems like not the right place to be, but alas, we'll have baseball we'll previews baseball. for you. We're going to we'll talk hold. more about baseball weekly, which is good when the season starts. Um, I'm, I'm finally happy to have things to talk about in that regard though. I am. I, I am. I got am. it done. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't happening now. I, I like, know. It was like, come on. Like we're in the middle of March. The Madness. best time of the year. <laughs> it's, it's, it's March madness. It's playoff hockey implications. It's NFL free agency. Don't try to steal the spotlight. I agree. But a hundred yeah. days later, they had to obviously do this. Uh, here we are. So the next couple of weeks will be college basketball filled. Um, we're going to have some more NFL free agent signings, uh, I'm assuming. And then we also have some high profile guys that still don't have teams in baseball yet. So we'll get there. This is going to be fun these next couple of weeks and I'm looking forward to it. So NFL draft. Yeah. The draft coming up too. We'll have some mock draft stuff. Uh, and then the coming weeks after the tournament's over, you know, I can't even think about the draft right now. There's no way, but it'll come. Um, and we're going to have some, some good content planned for you guys. So that is pretty much our show do we have anything i think we're good i think that's it we're good here episode 80 that's a wrap thanks for sticking with us for two guests we will have another good guest next week to talk some college hoops that's will and i'm jake so long folks take it easy mm-hmm.